Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Hunt, Lift, Eat podcast. I'm Carter, and I'm here with Luke in your new fancy podcast studio. What's going on, man? Not much, man. Just down here in Louisiana trying to, you know, find some internet somewhere and back in Charlie's uh, <laughs> office here, and it's going well. Got, got out of the camper for a little while. Got my computer fixed finally. glad to have in Louisiana, dude. Dude, it's rough. It's like a third world country. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've been excited about this uh, episode. We've been talking about this for a long time with our guests we got this week. Um, We've got the one and only Matt Cates, owner and operator of Triple M Outfitters, joining us. How's it going, guys? How's everybody doing? We're good. Yeah, this one has been a long time coming. If you, uh, our listeners will remember, we did an episode, hell, was that back in February, talking about, uh, I think we released it later, actually. Uh, It came out in March, but we were up there. That's where I shot my gator and... Carter and Cole went ballistic on pigs. I think you dropped six or seven of them and started doing the math. You guys were like, oh, we better quit shooting these things. This is too much fun. So no, it was a, Yeah, we were stacking them awesome up there trip. for a minute for sure. Yeah, we were we were in them. It was a good time. We had a stack of gators and a stack of pigs between the two crews that were out. And yeah. it, was a, it was a hell of a time. Yep. That was my first time killing a pig, Matt. Really? I didn't yeah. know that. Never done it before, man. That was some of the most fun I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> yeah, we got to get you back down, man. This, uh, this new place we just took over is actually infested with them. And, uh, the ranch is leaning on us pretty hard to get the numbers down. So I need you guys to come put some work back in. Well, we know some guys. Yeah, for we're sure. in for sure. We, uh, <laughs> that's one of my favorite pastimes is shooting hogs. Yeah. <laughs> I like eating them too. I love pigs. So I, uh, I lost actually. I had killed a couple in Texas, and I left Louisiana. I went home on baby leave. I just had a little girl, and our mm-hmm. it got so hot here. The freezer that I had outside my camper flew a flipped the breaker, so I oh, lost wow. three hogs and a deer, and that was a yeah. mess to come back to and get that freezer cleaned out. Because I came back and had a antelope and a mule deer to put in, and I was like, "Son of a gun!" So I spent the yeah. better part of a day trying to clean that freezer out. So I'm hard up for hog right now. I got to get a couple on the ground. I bet, I bet, man. We'll, we got plenty of them, that's for sure. Hell yeah, we'll get something on the calendar for sure. But yeah, stoked to have you on. We, we've been talking about it since hell since we were there, and uh, schedules have mm-hmm. been wild across the board. I know you guys are busy as hell. Yeah, uh, especially bringing on that deer lease. And then you yep. were uh, you were on an elk hunt with Jake, huh? How did that go? Yeah, it went really good. Uh, uh, Jacob didn't wait for us. We um, our flights got messed up flying in there. You know how that stuff works, and. We had a very short layover, and uh, as we were landing, our connecting flight was taken off. Oh, man. <laughs> That's so the we worst. Were a, we were a day late getting to our elk hunt, and uh, so we actually arrived, which was supposed to be our first day of hunting. When we get there, I literally pull into the lodge, and Jacob texts me, big bull on the ground. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, well, I've been here about 30 seconds. That's cool. And... uh me and my son ended up grabbing some packs, jumped in a truck, went and found him, and he killed his in a pretty nasty canyon. We had to cut him up down there and pack him out, and um, that was a good time. We got that one done, and uh, the next afternoon, I was actually, I killed my elk almost like the antelope hunt. I was sitting on a windmill in a water hole, and uh, a really, really nice bull come in, 26 yards, uh, shot him. He ran probably 30 yards, tried to run back uphill, 
faded out right there, flipped over completely backwards, stuck his horns in the ground. It was like what you dream of for bow hunting. And uh, two days later, we called in a nice five by five for my son. He smoked him, got that on film, 37 yards. And uh, just a great hunt, great time, great place. And uh, everything worked out real good. We worked out a deal with that guy there to take over about 5,000 acres. And uh, we're going to start taking our clients out there and putting on some elk and mule deer hunts at that place. Come on. That's in Montana. Yeah, that was Montana. We were on the um, east side of Montana. And I've been guiding out in Montana and Colorado and Wyoming for about 15 years. And uh, something else that we're adding to our list of things, like like we need more to get into, right? We're already not enough hours in the day, but um, I just leased 21,000 acres in South Dakota, which is absolutely covered in mule deer and whitetails. Went out there last year to look at it. And we can ride around for a couple hours in the afternoon in the truck and literally look at three to 400 deer. Oh my gosh. So, um, I'm actually leaving Monday to head back out there to look at an additional 5,000 acres that butts up to it. And, uh, I'll have a nice little chunk wrapped up right there and we can do some pretty amazing hunts out there. Luke and I both have South Dakota points. I don't cause I forgot. <laughs> oh, Luke, I've been reminding you for two years. I know I'm terrible. I'll watch well, this. You know, you can still put in for a point right now. Okay, I'm gonna and you open should that draw up next year on a browser. Like it, right it only now. takes one point, but something to uh, think about is archery tags are over the counter. You don't need any points to draw an archery tag. Well, that's good to know. Maybe I'll just do that. Yeah, but I mean, if you wanna if you wanna take a shot at it for thirty bucks, go put in for a preference point on the West River region and uh and if you draw next year great but if not you can literally go online the day before you want to go and buy an archery tag and we can absolutely go hunt i killed a i killed a really nice mule deer out there last year with a bow sounds like we're going mule deer hunting in south dakota next year carter let's do do it yeah and there's uh it's kind of a sleeper state for some whitetails i mean there is some absolute really really great whitetails in that part of the world is it like Wyoming where it's just a deer tag? It's either species or is it split where you have it's to have? A, if you get the general tag, it's an either or. Whatever, you can kill a whitetail or a mule deer with it. Um, and then there is a special tag that you can get. And the preference points, you can kind of split them. You can get every other year, you can get a whitetail only. And then so every other year, you can get the whitetail only. And then on the off years, you can draw the other tag that is good for either or. No way. So it's a if you play the system right, it's a it's a it's a pretty awesome deal. I do like how friendly South Dakota is to non-resident hunters. I feel like they do a really good job. Yeah, and I'll tell you. Uh, so when I went out there last year, I took I took some thermal stuff with me. I was gonna actually look at some ag fields at night. I just wanted to kind of see where the deer were hanging out and kind of get my scouting kind of just put it in fast forward right like go look and see what ag fields have the most deer on it at night well those deer got to be somewhere relatively close during the day i only had a limited amount of time to be out there so i was really trying to like maximize my scouting efforts and uh 
actually never even went and looked at deer with it. I went out the first night and put a, had an electronic call and started calling some coyotes. I called in nine coyotes and never moved from one spot. They were coming from every direction. I would shoot one or two and just sit and let, let the call keep going. Five minutes later, here would come more coyotes. I'd shoot one or two of them. Here come more coyotes. I ever actually never left that one spot and sat there for an hour shooting coyotes and never even turned the call off. They're just, it's like they've never heard a call before. They don't know what's going on. It was a, it was a pretty good time. That's, That's awesome. so cool. Yeah. Cause they get smart quick. They get call shy and yeah. Yeah, they do. That's, you know, on my, uh, this new deer lease, that's, I, I actually don't let my members do that because, uh, once you educate them, that coyote, he hangs on to that. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you can mess up on a, you can bust a turkey or bust a deer or something and, you know, give them, if you leave them alone for a minute, they'll, they'll generally get back to their territory and, and doing their thing. But that coyote, man, he's a different, he's a different animal for sure. If you, you educate him, you've, uh, you've just made it real difficult to ever even see him again. Yeah. Hogs are the same way. I used to trap pigs in Georgia, uh, as part of the trapping program for Fort Benning. And if you screwed up we couldn't set, uh, electronic traps. So they all had to be triggers with like a 550 cord and they'd go in there and root around and and trip them. But if you set your, your line too tight and they were able to get out or, you know, whatever, like, Yep. Yeah. You were never going to that pig. And I would see them and the ones that were smart, the big ones, they would, you know, the, the all the babies would go inside the trap, follow the corn in and the big right. ones would just sit right outside and they wouldn't go in. And that, you know, you'll never trap those hogs. It's crazy. That's the, uh, the deer lease I have now that 8,000 acres I took over. That's what the ranch is dealing with. Um, the guys, the cowboys that work on the rancher, they do try to trap the hogs. And I actually talked to one of them this morning and he was like, we just can't trap them. We've trapped them for so long that the ones that are left, they just will not go on a trap. You can bait it with anything you want to bait it with. They will not go in. Mm. So that's, that's, uh, it's, they're struggling with that, but we're going to do our part and kind of put a bunch on the ground for them and get the numbers right. Heck yeah. Well, we'll do our, we'll do our best to help out. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Love to have you guys back. You guys have y'all have put some nice deer on the ground this season too. Yeah, we have. So with this new lease, you're allowed to kill. Our members are allowed to kill three trophy bucks. You know, we get unlimited hogs. They get five turkeys. I killed all three of my bucks in the first ten days of bow season. (laughs) So I, uh, I I've had a pretty solid year. I killed that big bull in Montana. Came back, got home at like one o'clock in the morning on Friday night. Our bow season started Saturday morning. I had one on the ground second day. I killed one two or three days later and killed one a week later. So my deer season went real quick. It was lasted about 10 days. Can't so, beat that. But, no, I mean, I love bow hunting though. So I'd, I, I'd rather kill them with my bow than anything. So yeah, it's an addiction. We did, we did good. And uh, my wife ended up killing one. And I know, you know, a lot of people's perception about Florida is we just don't have big deer. But just to give everybody a little, like, insight on what is going on on this ranch. So this ranch developed a feed program, and they developed the feed itself and have this has this company making it and distributing it to our, all the members. 
This ranch has 670 members on the hunting club. It's 365,000 acres. And it's split up into 47 different leases. And uh, so this year they've already killed a 177. Uh, I think a 163, a 156, I believe. And, you know, those are great deer for Florida. Those are great deer for anywhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you start telling people that we're producing that in Florida and they think it's high fence or something of that nature, which it's not at all. This is just a working cattle ranch and that's all it is. Um, but, they also have an age structure. You cannot kill a deer unless he's five and a half years old. Mm. So even in Florida, if you feed them and let them grow, they will get big. That's so important. And my, uh, my cousin just killed a really nice ape, uh, uh on our property in Virginia. And you don't yeah. see a lot of big, a b- big deer up there because it's up in the mountains, higher elevation. Yeah. And, uh, but we had him on camera last year. My uncle actually took a video of him. <laughs> We think it's the same one. I'm 90% sure. And the difference in his mass going from four and a half to five and a half is just unbelievable. And letting them get that old, everybody, you know, because that they might have the same, you know, antler height and width, but the big yeah. difference from four to four and a half to five and a half is the mass that they pack on. And just yeah. too many folks just shoot them right there, that three and a half, four and a half, and they don't let them get. And we've been re- making a real concerted effort on that property to not shoot yeah. those little eights and it makes a big difference. Yeah. It's, uh, so they've done a, so this ranch that I hunt on, they have a team of biologists and they sectioned off a certain, like I think three or 4,000 acres and they use it as a testing facility for their feed, their management purposes, and just to see what really is going to work and what's not. So they have determined they actually know exactly how old some of these deer are because they fly this place in a helicopter and they shoot them with a net gun and they put tags in their ears, document where they tagged them, you know, and their fawns when they tag them. So they know exactly how old they are. And they have determined that with this speed program from zero to six, those deer put on 20 to 30 inches every year from seven to nine or 10 on this speed program, they kind of stay dormant. They don't really put much horn size on. They don't really drop any either. They just kind of stay even keel where they're at. But once they get over 10 years old, most people think they start declining. These deer go back to putting 15 to 20 inches on again. Really? And a lot of people think that a deer doesn't even live that long. They've got deer out there documented right now that they've netted out of a helicopter now, this is not high fence. Got to keep that in mind. This is all low fence, pure wild stuff. They've got whitetails out there right now documented on camera and some that they are harvesting that are 13 and 14. Wow. And they're still putting horn, they're still putting inches on every year. Um, they killed a 173 last year. So that what kind of where I got started with that was that that buck my wife killed this year, you know, going back to, so we're producing some big horns, but we also have the body size. That buck that she killed a week ago was 193 pounds. Oh my gosh. That's and a then, huge uh, deer. Cause I mean, yeah, whenever you talk about yeah. Florida and whitetails, it's always a small body deer. I mean, down here in Louisiana hunting public, like 
I saw a doe and I was like, oh, that's, that's a young one. And then I was talking to my buddy. He was like, no, dude, they're all just small bodied. But I mean, that right. feed really makes that big difference. What kind of feed uh, are they putting? I'm assuming pretty heavy protein in the off season. Yeah, it's a protein pellet. So they have uh, they have two different types. They have when they're putting that horn on, they're in velvet and they're in their growing season. It's high protein, a little less fat. Once it gets into, you know, their hard horn and they're starting to do all that, our rut starts like mid-September here. Um, so they transition our feed into something with a little higher fat content. They bump down the protein just a little bit, but they're just trying to keep those deer healthy during that chasing season. You know, when they're just, they're not on feed anymore, they're just hammering the does. And so I run protein feeders on my place, on my 8,000 acres and they're gravity fed protein feeders. They can eat all they want. So before the rut hit, they were emptying 650-pound protein feeders. They were emptying them about every 10 days. Now that the rut's going, and it's and it's even though we're creeping up on mid-November, you know, our we're they're still chasing right now. And those 650-pound feeders, I've filled them up maybe once in the last month and a half. That's how that just kind of puts a like brings it to light how they stop feeding and they're just, they have that short window to breed those does. And that is all these bucks care about. And it shows when you're going to fill those feeders up, went from every 10 days being completely empty to a month and a half. And, uh, and when you're seeing them on camera, you're seeing them run down and hips are starting to show and they're, uh, the kind of the problem with that is this, this ranch has a tremendous amount of deer on it. So those, all those bucks aren't getting those does bred in the first month, month and a half. So every 30 days, those does cycle again, if they didn't get bred and, you know, 28 to 30 days, I believe it is, they recycle and they, uh, man, they keep them bucks busy. They keep them running for sure. But you- it's interesting to, uh, be involved with the biologist and, and get that deep into what really, really goes on. Yeah, that's crazy interesting. Uh, do you, are you guys going to make a concerted effort to remove more does late season to try to balance it out a little bit and thin them out, or what's your strategy we are, there? We are. My particular lease, I just took this lease over this year. This is our first year here. I feel like with 8,000 acres, we're, we're a little bit light on our deer numbers. So I actually did not allow any of my members to kill does this year. We're leaving them. And then we're going to reassess early next year. Um, What we did this year is we flew it in a helicopter and did a deer survey and uh, really tried to get a a solid number on what we were working with. And then with us starting this feed program, also besides the feed I'm putting out, I also have 16 food plots. So we're, we have the the capacity to hold a lot of deer with the feed that we have. So we're, uh, we're going to let it go this one year, see if we can increase our deer herd, which, you know, not killing the does, you're absolutely going to accomplish that. And then we'll take a look and see where our numbers are. And, and then we'll determine if we want to, if we want to kill some does and how many we want to kill and, and keep it right. We're trying to keep that buck to doe ratio, what it needs to be. And then also 
you know, he's trying to have plenty of deer because we want to have this place long term. And it's awfully nice to be out there and see a lot of deer. And so there's kind of the fine line with that. You know, it's you're trying to keep 12 members happy and they've got kids and relatives and stuff that want to hunt. And, and even myself, I, I like to see a lot of deer. You know, it's nice to sit in a tree stand and see 15, 20. Yep. So it's a, it's a pretty special place. Really excited to have you guys down and check it out and show you what Florida can, can do with some management efforts. Yeah, I'm excited. That's awesome. It sounds like an incredible spot. You're building quite the little outfit and empire now. I mean, you've got a, you guys are yeah, I mean, like crazy. I've been, it's a huge expansion. Yeah, I've been guiding out in Colorado and Wyoming for years. I was actually on a TV show for about eight years and met some really cool people, you know, because they wanted us to travel all the time and hunt. And um, I average about 500 clients a year now. Our clientele base is huge. But you guys know as well as I do what, what affords us to do that is we can hunt all year long with the hogs and the alligators to where, I mean, most of your other outfitters, especially out west, what do those guys have? Two months of hunting season and they're done for the year. Right. You know, unless they're getting into waterfowl or, you know, prairie dogs or predator hunts or something. But as far as their big game, they're pretty limited to just a couple of months. So they can't run that many clients in that amount of time, which we can hunt all year long. So that affords us a lot more clients come through. We, you know, it's not a weekend gig for us or a part time job. We, we hunt almost every single day. And, uh, a lot of people think, man, that's the dream job. And, and it is in a lot of ways, but there's some days, man, you just, you just want to break. <laughs> so I'm sure you guys feel that too. Yeah. That's been the irony of starting a company in the hunting industry. And I've said it a couple of times, but I hunt, my hunts become harder to do and shorter in duration. Cause you know, you're tied yeah. up. This is the busy season and you know, I'm going to be logging launching Starlink when we're, we got a fourth rifle elk hunt coming up in Colorado here soon. And I'm going to, it's during yeah. black Friday and you know, it's, we're selling a lot of t-shirts oh, wow. and stuff. So I'll be yeah. on the glassing point with the generator fired up so I can run the computer and monitor black Friday if we're not stalking. So yeah, it's, it's, it's Absolutely. funny. Yeah. But no, that's awesome. That's, I'm really excited that, you know, you, you guys are able to expand like that. We had a blast that Triple M was really impressed with everybody we interacted with and some of the yep some of the operations we want I don't want this to come across the wrong way but we've just been at some where it doesn't it, it feels a little staged and canned and you know that was a lot yeah. of that was a it was a good time it was a very unique experience for us too like I've grown up on the east coast hunting whitetails I've been out west for a while now and hunted a yeah. decent decent chunk out here but you know when we jumped in the swamp buggy you know, it was just was like, a, it's just so, it was so cool. It was just such a unique experience across the board. And I mean, I'd never yeah. killed a gator and being able to, you know, shoot one. And I don't know, it was a, it's just a really educational experience for me getting to, and the guides were awesome. They let us jump in and get our hands dirty. And that's how we like to do it. You know, we don't want the guides to do all the work. We're there to be fully immersed in the, the environment, yeah. which was really cool. Yeah. And the, and the reason I run my hunts like that is because I buy hunts too. You know, I go on guided hunts. I, I buy hunts from other outfitters and I do my thing and I know what I want to see and I know what I want to do when I go on a hunt. So I try to roll that over into when I'm offering hunts, you know, Hey, these people don't want to sit back and watch me do everything. 
th- there are clients that do want that, but there's also guys that they want the experience. They mm-hmm. want to be in the mix. And when I'm on a hunt, that's what I want to do. Um, you know, we were on that elk hunt and, and, you know, Jacob's just like me and my son and we're hands on, we're going to get dirty. We're going to get bloody and we're going to pack this elk out. The outfitter is sitting there just looking at us like, what is, what are you guys doing? Like, this is our job. This is what you're paying us for. And it was like, not this week. You're catching a break this week. Cause we don't need our hands held. We don't need a babysitter. If you just let us do our thing, we'll get the elk killed. We'll get them out. And that's at the end of the hunt, the guy was like, I need you here more. I need people (laughs) like you. And why don't you handle this 5,000 acre section? And let's, uh, let's get your hunters up here. You do your thing because this is the easiest week I've ever had. That's awesome. And I love it. I love it when guys come, like when you guys come, you know, you guys grabbing hogs, loading them, grabbing gators, loading them. I appreciate that because I do it every single day and I know that sounds really cool, but when you do it every single day, it's not that cool. (laughs) It it gets old quick and it's, man, it's really refreshing to have some guys jump in and grab things and pumped up to do it. And it's just like, man, it's, it's not even like clients. It's like your buddies came hunting. Yeah. Right. That's how we really liked about it. Exactly. It was like, Oh, this yeah. is, these are our people. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's what I like. I like, I hate having to worry about new clients. And we've done a really good job with that over the years where our return clientele base is enormous. I have to, I rarely do I do any advertising. I'll do my social media posts just to keep interest. And, and all of our clients like seeing it. And, uh, so our return clientele base keeps us rocking and rolling. We don't we don't really have to beat the bushes for new clients. And I love that because I've got guys who have been hunting with me now for 20 years. That's awesome. So some of these people we actually do family vacations with now. So that's how everything comes full circle. And my take on things, if if you turn a client that comes and hunts with you one time into a return client, and then sometimes that turns into now you're doing vacations and trips and just calling to see what's up and say hi and how you doing. Like you're doing something right when you've got that type of return business and you're making those kind of friends. I feel like we're doing, I think we're doing everything right. Yeah, I'd say so from from my perspective. And I had a blast and getting my hands on a gator for the first time. It was, it was cool. And it, I like the, the choose your own adventure aspect too. You know, next time yeah. I come down there for a gator, I want to kill one with a bow and, you know, be able yeah. to get, get up on it. And I'm yep. not exactly what you said too. Is like, we want to get our hands dirty. Like after I shot that one and she went under the water, I can't, I'm terrible with names. Uh, it was the younger guy that was with us, but he was like, yeah, you got to go jump in there and drag it out. And I was literally walking in the water. He was like, no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're going to hook it. But my dumb ass was like, all right, you tell me that's what I got to do. I'm in there, man. I don't care. Like, right. It's game on. It's happening. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I love that. And yeah, we had a, we had an absolute blast. So you guys are definitely got it going on there. And just, you know, from anybody that lives, even in Georgia, like it's hard to get a gator tag. And so yeah. the fact that you guys have all those depredation tags when you're helping yeah. with, I mean, 
I've never, like, that's an insane amount of gators that you guys got down there. It's wild. No shortage. Jake was sure. showing me the the videos, like the canal when they're rutting and there's just like a hundred yeah, gators so in I'm, there. It's wild. So I kind of do that every year. Um, we, we have a special place. Like it's that ranch is 6,000 acres and it's surrounded by St. John's river. We're surrounded by protected waters. Nobody else can hunt. So that's good for us because those gators can live there in peace. And then they come over to our side. You know, we take a lot of hog carcasses and we let the uh, processor dump his carcasses and stuff out there. And, you know, we're feeding them and we're drawing gators. in. that's why we've been able to kill gators on this place for 25 years. And without running out, we have as many there now as we did 20 years ago. Yeah, there's definitely and, no uh, shortage of gators or pigs. So what I like to do during May, May is our alligator rut. That's their breeding season. There's one section, and this section of canal is probably literally 250 yards long. So I go down there every year, and there's going to be about a three-week span. All year long, there's going to be eight, five to ten gators in this little stretch that you can see any day you want to ride down there. But during that three-week stretch of the rut, that is like the meeting place. It's like the bar. That's where the, everybody goes to, to find what they're looking for. And during that three-week stretch, you can go down there just about any day, and there will be anywhere from 200 to 350 gators literally stacked on top of one another like cordwood. It is crazy the amount of gators that pile into this little stretch of canal just during the breeding season. And then one week after breeding season is over, it's back to five to 10, just like it never happened. But I've got some pretty cool pictures on my phone for the last 10 years. I always go take pictures and I've got a, I've got a picture on my cell phone from this last May that I'm going to say there's 300 gators in this picture. Oh my gosh. They're stacked on top of one another so heavy you can't even count them. And uh pretty pretty crazy, pretty amazing time of year. That's awesome. Yeah, we I'd love to get down there sometime just to see that. That's just it's so foreign to someone who's never like grown up around gators and yeah. I've been down, I've lived in I was stationed at Fort Benning for a while, so I've seen them, you know, but not sure. not like that, not in those numbers. That's crazy. It's right. Well, it's when we found thing. one within the first seven minutes of starting the hunt, I was like, <laughs> what? Yeah. They were like, we can, yeah, uh, everywhere. <laughs> yeah, we can ride around those reservoirs and canals and stuff. It's not uncommon. I can show everybody 150 alligators a day. That's yeah. wild. And it's, you know, you guys saw the place. There's no high fences. There's no anything. It's this is real, real deal. And uh, yeah, we can ride around and see 150 a day. No problem. Will they, so pretty, are they feeding on the pig? I mean, I know you guys are dumping carcasses and stuff, right? Will they feed on the pigs? Like when they come to water and stuff, is, are they hitting? They will occasionally. Uh, an alligator's main diet is fish and turtles. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Fish and turtles. If you, uh, when you, we gut some of the alligators sometimes because they will, they'll obviously have something in their stomach. Mm-hmm. It'll just be really extended and you can tell there's something in there. And it's always curious, right? Like he's definitely got something in there. Wonder what it is. And we've gutted a few of them. I've found raccoons, uh, but it's mostly turtles, mostly fish. And I have cut a few open that did have some hog pieces in them. 
like you get a piece of that hide that black hair and stuff like that so yeah there's there it's occasional but their main diet's definitely fish and turtles yeah that makes sense yep it feels good hunting on a you know cattle ranch and the, these ag farms too you feel like you're participating in something good as well with your setup that you have there yeah you are and especially with this new lease we have the um the ranchers there, they're like, Hey, here's the deal. Like if you guys don't get the hog numbers in control, we will actually like turn the cowboys that work for the ranch. We'll turn them loose and let them hunt them with dogs and hunt them at night and just do whatever we can do to keep them down because they have some leases out there. The guys are just, you know, they're hardcore into the deer. Some of them actually aren't hardcore into any hunting. They just buy a membership out there to get out of town get away, camp for the weekend, get rid of the cell phone, take the wife and kids out, and then just be out in the country for a little bit. I know some guys that have that have some leases out there currently and have hunted out there for six, seven years and have never killed a deer mm. because they just, they have the money to do it and they do it just to get away. Yeah. So, yeah, when, when you get a crew like us out there that, that do – you know, heavy into hunting, they, they love us. They love us to death because we really do make a difference in the hog numbers. And you're talking about a working cattle ranch. This, this ranch survives on, you know, how many cattle can they feed? How many can they graze? And if you got hogs turning your pastures upside down, it, it does make a difference. Um, I don't know that people really understand how hard they hit things. And you get a bunch of hogs on your ranch tearing tearing your pastures up, you are not grazing enough cattle to you know to the potential that the land can do. So yeah, it's uh it's absolutely necessary. Yeah, they're so destructive, and I don't think a lot of folks think about Florida as a cattle state, but it's actually got a very large you know cattle operation just across the board. I one of the I used to work on a, a pretty big. Uh, cattle operation in Virginia and the, yep. the guy who runs the spot grew up in central Florida. And I mean, he's as yeah. cowboy as anybody I've, I've met out in Colorado sure. or Wyoming, you know, like, yep. and it's a, uh, it's, it's interesting. Cause at the time I was like, what you're from Florida. Like it just didn't make yeah. sense to me. And then, you know, he explained to me the, the, how much, uh, there really is. He's like, if you get off the coast, you know, it's all, yeah. ag. you know, if you're yeah. not, if on you, the beach, once you leave the coastline, you're in the woods. Yep. Yep, so. Yeah. And uh, there's been many, many years that Florida was the number one cattle producing mm-hmm. state in the U.S. Yep. Everybody thinks it's Texas, hands down. Florida has beaten out Texas many, many times. And, and that all falls along with our weather, right? We don't get extreme weather. A lot of sunshine, a lot of rain. Our grass grows like crazy. We can feed a lot more cows per acre where there's certain parts of Texas, it's, they, it's hard for them to grow a blade of grass. And, um, so yeah, Florida is a major, major player in the cattle industry. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, that was something when we came out to Colorado, I still can't figure out half the time what the hell these cattle are eating. Cause I think, yeah. So back home we can do 20 head per acre in Virginia right. and then they're doing one cow per 20 acres in Colorado sure. or more, you know, yeah. cause they just don't have the water. They don't have the forage and they yeah. just can't grow it. And then the, 
you know, if they're bringing and buying hay, like the costs are just huge because they're having to bring oh, yeah. it in from other states and or they're having yeah. to irrigate and, you know, buy it from, from the east. So, yeah, it's Florida Absolutely. definitely. I could, I could see how much. Are they running with the heat? Is, is there a lot of Brangus or what are, what, what's the primary? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of Brangus is pretty, uh, pretty predominant here. Um, they do, you'll see certain ranches that'll, you know, they'll, they'll mix it up a little bit and do different things. But I think overall Brangus is probably the, the number one in the state. For our listeners that aren't familiar, a Brangus is a cross between a Brahma and a, and an Angus. It's just a really good warm weather breed. Mm-hmm. You see them a lot in the South, deep South. You yep. see them actually, they're popular in, uh, Central America as well. Yeah. Um, the cross yep. the breeds, um, and then North, South, Northern South America as well. So, uh, it's a, it's a really hardy breed that can handle high temperatures, uh, a mm-hmm. lot better than just a straight Angus can. So that's cool. Yep. That's awesome. I, I'll, I can talk ag all day, but the, the, <laughs> sure. uh, the, uh, I'm just excited to, to get down, to get back down there. Cause it, it's, it feels almost like hunting in a, different country for us you know we're running through these palm groves and it feels yeah. foreign you know when you've been used to hunting in other places so it's it's a cool experience and you know to immerse yourself in it and hunt species that you might not get to hunt and you know you guys are set up and the pricing is real reasonable you can have an awesome experience oh, yeah. and it's just it's it's it, it's pretty pretty damn cool uh, across the board yeah anybody can afford our hunts especially our hog hunts they're they're ridiculously cheap and and everybody across the board, they don't have to save for it. Everybody can come up with enough to come do a hog hunt with us. Um, and that's the way I like it. I don't, I want to, I like having all walks of life. You get to meet so many people and from so many different places. And it's just, it's just awesome. And we keep it priced that way. I've been the same price for 15 years. And everybody tells me, you know, you need to raise your prices, raise your prices. And it's like, I don't want to raise my prices because I've been taking the same people for almost 20 years. So like I, and they, and I've even had them tell me, Hey, if you know, if you raise your prices, we'd still be here every year. No, no problem. But it's like, you know what? I make a good living. I'm comfortable. I like where everything's at. It's just smooth. I'm a big fan of if it's not broke, don't fix it. Everything just runs good. And I just, I like where we're at. So if I raised it, I'm going to lose some people. I'm still going to keep a bunch of them and it would probably still amount to the same amount of money, but I don't know. It's just, um, I kind of feel a sense of loyalty with the clients and guys that come hunt with us every single year. I just leave it where it's at. Everybody's happy with it. It works for them. It works for me. Really don't see any reason to change it. Well, that's admirable, and I'm definitely, uh, definitely in to take advantage of it. So we'll, we'll, we'll be back. We're going to be return customers for sure. And what I love about it is, you know, what you mentioned before is the year-round aspect of it. It's the perfect yeah. thing to do to fill in that dead space, you know, post yeah. deer before turkey season opens. It's like hell yeah, let's go yep. kill some pigs, maybe shoot a gator, and have a good yeah. time. Yeah, and you guys are going to get to see some different terrain when you come for this new ranch. It's uh a lot of big cypress swamps in it. Um, it's got everything. It's got pasture, palmettos, pines, cypress, oak hammocks. It's pretty much got about everything that you can get dealt in Florida. And uh, it's all in one piece of ground right there that I control. And uh, 
absolutely loaded with game. You're going to see a ton of whitetails while you're here. We have Osceola turkeys coming out of our ears, um, and the hogs are just rampant. So looking forward to having you guys back. It's We'll, we'll have another great hunt. Um, you know, we'll, we can't kill gators on this ranch because they're, uh, they're heavy into the egg harvest program. So they like their gators left alone, but that 6,000 acres that I took you guys hunting on, we've got gators coming out of our ears. So that was not even a factor when they offered this lease to me. Um, I knew right from the rip, we couldn't do any gator hunting there. And I was totally okay with it because I feel like I've already got the best alligator ranch locked in in Florida anyway. So this was more geared towards the hogs, deer, turkey thing. And, uh, and plus we've got a camp there. So camp life is always nice, right? Like we don't have that at the Gator Ranch, but we do now. You guys can come in, stay at the camp. We can cook out at night, build a fire, sit around and BS. And that's a huge part of hunting for me. I absolutely love that as much as the hunting. I love the sitting around and I love hearing you guys' stories about a deer you killed out west or an elk or something like that, a mule deer. And I just, I love hearing everybody's about everybody else's hunts. Yeah, and, that's a really cool new addition, man. I'm glad you have that because, you know, it adds that much more to the experience if we can be there. Yeah. After, you're just so much more immersed and, and be with y'all and you and your people around the campfire, yeah. like you said. Like, that's such a big part of it and such a huge draw of why hunting is what it is to all of us, you know. So that's I was really yeah. excited when you told me about that. That's I'm excited for that. No, I love the. Uh, I love that. That's uh, we ha see. I had that one time before, and that ranch ended up getting sold. So you know, the lodge went with it. But this uh, this camp situation is really really cool. We've got everything set up. You know, we can we can handle about ten people at a time, which we generally don't have groups that big. But it's not uncommon to have three to you know five or six at a time. It's pretty normal. But. Uh, but yeah, it's, I love that part of it. I love, I love sitting around, I love to cook. So I love sitting around cooking out, grilling around the fire, you know, having some drinks or something and just catching up and, and hearing about everything that everybody's got going on and just talk about life in general. And that's, that's when you, that's when you really get to know your clients because when we're, you know, I mean, you guys know how it is. Sometimes when we're on that buggy, it gets Western, man. It gets, it gets fast and furious. <laughs> And, uh, oh, yeah. you're not, you're not talking about real life stuff right then. You're kind of, you're trying to get some stuff done. Same time. And, uh, you know, around that campfire, you get to sit back and, and really get to know your people. They get to know you a little better. And that's where those friendships start to take place. And, um, uh, that's what I'm, I've done the hunting thing so long, man. It's, um, uh, I still get excited. I love it, but it's that. It's that quality time with good people. The older you get, that it started to become more important to me the older I get. Yeah, I understand that completely. And that's really like a core tenant for, for us with HLE is just the community aspect of it. And I think that's what sets us apart from a lot of companies and brands is we're just so focused on that. And that's without without that piece of it. And don't, I like solo hunting and I like going out and I just like to hunt. But it, there's definitely sure. something missing when you don't have that camp. 
you know, that's such a yep. big part of it. And meeting new folks and being in camp with new folks is just, it just takes the experience to the next level. So absolutely. I love, I love that. Well, we've got it all under wraps now. So perfect. Good. Well, I'm excited as hell. How, uh, let's, let's get a little bit, just, I'm interested in your story. I mean, you've, you said you've been guiding out West for 15 years. Are you from Florida originally? Yeah, I was born and raised right here, man. What, uh, you know, what, I've, what took you out West? Just wanting to chase it? Uh, the, so oddly enough, I started, so I've, I started out working at a grocery store. It was a meat cutter at a grocery chain here. They call Publix. So I cut meat there for about 13 years. Um, kind of wasn't making the money that I wanted to make. And I started actually doing some landscaping on the side. And shortly after I got started, my two days off a week from the grocery store doing landscaping, I was making more in two days than I was all week at the store. So I'm like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to do this full time. And I did it and I did it for a long time. And that's what got me into the guiding was because when I was in the landscaping business here, we don't get weather like you guys get, but we, in our winter time, we still get cold enough that our grass doesn't grow. So we were cutting grass and doing those things about every other week. So that gave me every other week off for man, five months. So I started thinking, okay, you know, what can I do on my off weeks? to make even more money. And you know how it is. You, you guys know the, the hunting, the habit on the hunting deal. It's, it costs some money to go do these hunts. <laughs> yep. the cheapest, like, Bobby. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta dig in your pockets a little bit sometimes, especially if you want to start going out West. So, you know, I'm watching these hunting shows and stuff and I hunted my whole life here. It's, I was taking care of hogs on ranches hunting five nights a week, six nights a week with dogs and killing gators just to sell hides and meat. Like it wasn't even guiding anybody. I was just killing them. And, you know, I was averaging about, uh, right about a thousand hogs a year. I was catching with the dogs. We were killing a couple hundred gators and selling them. And, uh, finally, uh, a guy called me one day and he was like, I got some friends in town. Can you take them hunting for me? And I'm like, well, I'm going anyway, I'll take them. He's like, what do you want for money? I'm like, I don't want anything. I'm going. They can just go with me. So I took them. At the end of the night, they all gave me $150 a piece. And I was like, that was pretty cool. You know, it was a nice little bonus for a night out hunting. Shortly after that, they called me, wanted to go again. And then they told a few people. Those people called and wanted to go. So I started doing that. I was like, hey, you know what? I got a little bit of money here. I'm going to take this money and go on a, my first guided hunt. So I took that money and I bought a black bear hunt in Canada and uh, went up there and killed two black bears and had a phenomenal time. And I'm like, I'll just take enough people every year and I'll do one guided hunt a year. And that'll kind of feed my addiction to do something different than what I do every day here. And uh, went on an antelope hunt in Wyoming the following year and, Next thing I know, more people are calling. I don't have a business name. I don't have anything because I'm not doing it as a business. I'm just playing. And then uh, Mossy Oaks Hunting the Country called me. I had taken somebody along the lines that 
was tied to Mossy Oak and they were like, we want to do a TV show. A friend of ours hunted there and they had a blast and we want to do that. And they were like, what's your business name? I'm like, I don't have one. <laughs> well, do you, are you insured and all this? No, I'm not. I don't have anything. And they were like, yeah, that doesn't work. We can't, we can't do that. And I'm like, well, too bad. Like, I don't, it's no big deal for me. I don't care. So they kept pushing, kept pushing. And, uh, we came up with a name, got licensed, insured and all that. And, and I was just doing it still to play. This was not my business. This was not, I never thought this was going to go anywhere besides me making play money. And, um, did that TV show and kind of kept rolling with it. You know, of course that generated some, some hunts and some new clientele. And the very first year I started like playing with it, I ended up taking 36 clients. The following year it jumped to 80. The following year after that, it jumped to like 120. And I was like, that's when I was like, okay, this is either gonna level out. Cause if it keeps going, I've got to make a decision. Like I can't keep doing both. Cause now I'm burning the candle at both ends taking a hundred and something people hunting a year plus owning a landscaping business that I was still personally doing. So I ended up hiring some people to take over the landscaping and uh, started hunting full time. And it just, it, it has still never just leveled out. It just still keeps going through the roof. And we've been at about 500 clients a year to the point now to where I do turn down some clients, you know, if, I mean, I'm sure you guys deal with it in business, right? Like you'll get a guy that'll call and try to book a hunt. And he's wanting a little too much or wanting something too specific or like, I'll get guys that'll call me up just to give you an example. And they're like, I want a 12 foot gator. And if you can't guarantee me a 12 foot gator, I ain't coming. And I tell them to go hunt somewhere else. Because the first gator we see, maybe 12 foot, we kill a uh, we kill a very large number of 12 footers every year. But it's a free range, fair chase hunt. It'd be like you guys calling up a whitetail outfitter in Iowa and being like, I want a guaranteed 200 inch 12 point, typical, or I'm not coming. He's going to tell you to go kick rocks. You know what I mean? Yep. Either that or he's going to blow some smoke up your butt just because he wants to take your money. Right now, that's a very doable deal in Iowa or a certain place. You may be able to kill that there, but he can't guarantee you that if you're not in a high fence. And just like with me, you know, I can't guarantee somebody that. So guys like that, I'll kind of, and usually when I tell them to go somewhere else, they kind of, they kind of level it down a little bit and end up coming anyway. But, um, but yeah, that's kind of how I got going and all this man it was actually i don't know if i want to say accidental but it definitely was not a plan it just started out initially as a favor to a friend and then it rolled into hey i'm gonna roll with this small number of people and just have some play money and i'm gonna go i'm gonna go travel and hunt to there for quite some time i didn't get to do any hunting because I was so busy. I mean, you guys know how that is. I'm sure you deal with that with the, with the hunt, lift, eat stuff. Like you get so busy, you probably find, you probably find it hard to find time for yourself. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, you, know? a, you got to make that concerted effort because you'll blink and all of a sudden you're like, that's what I've, we keep having a joke that like next month it's going to slow down, but it just keeps, you know, getting more and more busy and speeding up faster and faster. And yeah, I get that completely. That's, that's awesome though. And it's, 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 it's funny how that works because that was a similar thing to me. It was, I got a sewing machine, made some patches, sewed on some hats and had no intention yeah. of this growing into anything. Right. And I just wanted to learn a little bit about business and a couple of people bought them and mostly people I knew and then some strangers yeah. bought them. And then from there, it just kind of snowballed. And then all of a right. sudden you look back and you're like, how did I get here? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I'm, I definitely, uh, sometimes I have to reel myself in and sit back and look at, Hey, like you asked for this and it's, you get to go to work and do what you, your passion so sometimes I get, a, I, you know, I have a, a day where I get aggravated about something and I'm like, you know, what am I doing here? And what, why am I doing this on this level? And I don't need all this, but you kind of got to reel yourself in and look at it and be like, I, I'm truly blessed with what I've been able to do. And, um, and I've actually got where sounds like you're heading to is I've got over the hump now to where I've actually got some people in the mix that are working for me and guiding for me, which goes back to freeing me back up. Cause so my, my longest stretch was nine months, three weeks. I hunted every single day with no days off. Holy oh my God. Cow. And everybody's like, wow, that sounds amazing. Well, it is amazing until you do it <laughs> hunting yeah. for basically 10 months, every single day, seven days a week, you're over hunting. You're done with it. Yep. So that's when I was like, I've, I'm at the point now where I can absolutely hire people. So I've done that. And you guys met some of them They're They guide as good as I do. It's not that I'm the great white hunter or anything. They, they do, they do everything that I can do. And you know, that's, that's why they're here. I picked them for a reason and it freed me up to go do other things, you know, like my Montana elk hunt a month before that I was in Alaska for 10 days. So it's just kind of, I have now rolled back into, I get to enjoy hunting again. And that's where you kind of got to sit back and really appreciate where you're at. You're going to hunt nine, nine months straight every day, Carter? No, man, that would, I, I can totally see where that would get old real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's, uh. You do anything for nine months straight, it gets old. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But we're lucky. We have some really good clients. We've built a phenomenal, phenomenal clientele base. And there's a lot of guys, when they call up and book, it's like, I know that's going to be a good day. That's Regardless awesome. of what we kill, just because of the people, it's going to be a good day. And, you know, there's some guys you're going to hunt with that you're going you're gonna to struggle with throughout the day, but... You're taking 500 clients a year. Not everybody's going to be a pleasure, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I've had a little taste. I, I haven't really guided, but I've been working with some several outfitters uh, in Colorado. And I was helping on some uh, prep for the season. And then I was there for uh, during the archery camp. And one of my guys that works for me is guiding for one of them and was, yeah. was helping set everything up and kind of lending a hand. And some of those clients are like, good Lord. I don't know that I have the disposition to be a full-time guy. I'll be honest. I'd, I'd get real frustrated yeah. real quick. Carter knows. I've, 
I'll yell at him and camper on a hunter. <laughs> I get right. pretty, pretty fired up when folks aren't, <laughs> at least not yeah. doing it the way I think it should be done. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'll, I'll give you one example real quick and it'll kind of sum it up. Like I've ran into this several times throughout my career for sure, but this one really bothers me. Uh, I had a guy on an elk hunt in Colorado. We had 9,000 acres leased up there, all private, where we're only taking like 12 hunters a year. And that was through archery, gun, everything. And we were running probably 80% success on elk. And that's that's, that's good. pretty damn good for elk hunts. Oh, yeah. And uh, I get this guy, books a hunt. He's like, all I want is a 300-inch bull. And I'm like, that's extremely doable. Like 300-inch bull is absolutely doable. So I call this bull in, he's coming in on a string. I, it's just, it couldn't be any more perfect. Like this is what, like you, you wish it was on film, right? Like you wish it was just, you had a camera guy there. This bull did everything we wanted him to do. So when he's coming in, the guy's like, is he 300? And I'm looking at him. I'm like, I, I absolutely think he's 300. Now we're talking about a bull that's coming in, bugling, showing off, like he's doing everything, walking right at us. It's hard to judge a bull walking dead away or walking right to you if you're trying to get down to inches. And I'm like, man, I'm calling him 300. He's like, if you tell me he's 300, I'm shooting him. And I'm like, I'm telling you to kill him. And he's like, he asked me like five times, are you sure he's 300? I'm like, sir, he's on one side or the other, extremely close, but I'm calling him 300. And he's like, Matt, he better be 300. And I'm like, kill him. He shoots him, kills him. This guy instantly starts doing like cartwheels, man. He is so excited. He is. And so I'm pumped because he's overly pumped. So I'm jacked up. We get to the bull and he was like, you got a tape on you? And I'm like, not on, not in my pack. I got one at camp. He's like, all right, let's get him like, get the guys here. Let's get him packed out. I want to get a tape on him. And I'm like, Hey man, like just enjoy this right here. Enjoy it. Like, don't let that tape or that number reflect on your hunt. Like we just had an amazing hunt. You killed an amazing bull and you are stoked. You are, you are on cloud nine right now. And he's high-fiving and hugging and like he is so happy. We get back to camp. This guy can't wait to get a tape on this bull. Now, this, mind you, I should have been, I should have been ready for this. And I wasn't because to me it's still 300. So we taped him out. He's 297. To me, that's a 300-inch bull. Yeah. But because the numbers said 297. That guy was irate. No way. That's he insane. was irate. He was completely pissed off. It ruined his hunt. That number ruined his hunt. Three he would inches. not talk to anybody. He went into the camp, packed his bags. He wanted us to take him out of camp back to the hotel. He wanted he wanted away from hunting camp. He was so disappointed. Because I told him to pull the trigger and it taped out 297. And I'm like, man, that's a 297 is 300. Like, yeah. if, if somebody asks you, what did he score? Tell them 300. 
if a 297 inch bull isn't 300, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know that, that one still bothers me today. Cause you had a guy that, you know, took time off from work away from his family, spent a lot of money, had a great hunt, killed a great bull. And he was upset over literally a couple of inches of horn. That's insane. And it's like, it's, it's guys like that, that are, that make you have those days where you're like, what is going on here? What is, what is happening? I know if I wanted a 300 inch bull personally, and I killed a 297, I would be every bit as happy with 297 if it was 305. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have cared one bit. Yeah. That's, that's the kind wow. of stuff that you will run into. That and folks being just grossly ill-prepared with their equipment or their gear or their, their weapon. They don't know how to shoot. That's, <laughs> that's something I've already had experience with. It's, that's frustrating. Like there was so hell there was guys can, they just had a, that that outfit that garrett's working at that we're going to hunt with and that we have a good relationship with they're uh yeah they just had they had two hunters in the same camp shoot two mule deer doe thinking they were uh elk oh my oh, god wow yeah they thought they were cow elk oh wow they were okay. hunting water yeah. they didn't have the guides with them because they were sitting tree stands yeah. and yeah. shot it was like two, three days apart. And one of them didn't say anything, said he missed. Really? They went back out there and found the, the, the dough on the ground. They had to call CPW. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just like stuff like that would just, it would be so hard for me. I'd have to put my, actually take my boot off and stick it in my mouth and not to just lose my <laughs> yeah. mind. Like, how do you, how do you do that? Just shoot at the first thing you see and mistake. It's, I mean, it happens in Colorado damn near every year. I mean, I'm sure you're aware where people shoot a moose thinking it's an elk, but like, Oh yeah. That one yeah. still is fairly is pretty damn inexcusable, but shooting a sure. mule deer doe thinking it's a cow elk is just unbelievable. I took some guys to Wyoming and I there was a there was a bachelor group of bucks. There were seven bucks in this group that hung out. The first day they get there, I get up on a high spot, start glassing with spot and scope. I find them bedded. And I'm like, they are so killable right now where they're bedded. This is absolutely going to happen. Let's go. So it was a father and son. Now the son was underage. He was, I want to say he was probably like 13, 14. So he had a youth license. Um, so we go, we get on these bucks. They're about, when they finally get up and start feeding, they're about 230 yards. Yeah. And I always tell everybody, you have to be able to shoot 300 yards out west if you want to be consistently successful. Yep. So I get this kid on my pack. I get him rested, and I'm like, you do not shoot unless you are comfortable. And he was like, I am solid. And I'm like, all right. There was two bucks in this group of seven that were absolutely bigger than the rest, but they were all good. It is like the moon and stars and everything aligned. There's seven bucks and two does. Everything separates and leaves the biggest buck standing there broadside by himself. And I'm like, this is amazing. The buck standing there, the only deer that is by himself. He's like, I got it. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to stop talking. You do your thing. Kill him. He shoots and misses. The buck runs, 
they all run. And then when they all stop, they're about the same distance. They just kind of made like a half moon around us. And the same thing, everything separates and he's by himself. Kid shoots again, misses. They run, they get a little further, stop again. And before I can say anything, he just shoots and I'm not ready. I'm not, I was getting ready to tell him something. So I'm not even in my binos. Well, I hear the bullet hit. I get back in my binos. I see the bucks run over the hill and I'm like, man, I didn't see anything go down, but I heard that bullet hit. And his dad's like, no, he's right there kicking. I can see the snow kicking up. And I'm like, huh? Okay. So I'm, I find it. I'm looking at my binos and I'm like, man, I just don't see horns, but it's a long way away. We get down there. He shot a doe. Oh my God. I'm like, there's seven bucks and two does. And the kid was like, yeah, on that last shot, as soon as I saw Brown, I pulled the trigger. Oh boy. And I'm like, well, we have to call the game warden. And they're like, no, we don't, we ain't got to do all that. And I'm like, we absolutely have to call him. Cause that's my job. That's like your livelihood. If we, we get caught doing something sketchy. Like it's a, you guys are going to get in trouble, but I'm going to lose my job. Luckily, because it was a youth tag, the youth tag was good for a buck or a doe. Mm. That saved them. But still, it's just one of those instances like you could have shot any other deer in the field right there, and it was it would have been a nice buck. But, you know, there's stuff like that happens. And I could, I could talk to you guys about crap like that <laughs> literally for days. I, I had a guy show up a month ago he's unloading right there at the barn where you guys were and i noticed something's weird about his gun when he's getting it out of his truck but i go back to loading the buggy up and getting everything ready and i don't it doesn't even cross my mind again so we get out there and we we find some hogs and they're kind of you know running out across the pasture there and i tell him to kind of get on him and just they're too far and they're running too fast i'm like but just look at them i want you to kind of get dialed into what we're doing here. And he's like, I, I can't find them. I can't find them. And I'm looking through my binos. I look over at him. He can't find them because his scope is mounted backwards. <laughs> he's looking through the wrong end. He has the wrong end <laughs> as the eyepiece. And oh, I just kind of play it off. I'm like, um, hey, what do you got that gun sighted in for? He's like, I got it dialed in at 100 yards. And I'm like, okay, did you sight it in yourself? And he was like, absolutely. And I was like, it didn't occur to you when you were sighting it in? Because if I'm not mistaken, you can't see the crosshairs when you look through a scope backwards. So tell me exactly how you sighted that thing in. He kind of just looks at the ground and he was like, you got me. He's oh my like, gosh. I haven't sighted it in. He, so... Here's all right. So that's weird to start with that it's on the, backwards. You got the patience of Job, man. I had a someone glued on top of my head would have flown off. <laughs> well, it gets better. So he reaches up with his fingers and un and loosens up the bolts to his mounts, flips the scope around, finger tightens it back up, and he's like, "We're good now, boss. Let's go." And I'm like, "Sir." Um, I'm, we're going to, we're going to have a talk about guns and sighting in and 
<laughs> that ain't going to work. You're going to have to use mine. And he was like, what do you mean? He's like, I sighted it in right, but every time I take it somewhere and take it back home, I take the scope off and put it up so it doesn't get knocked off sight. And then I just put it back on the gun and finger tighten it. I'm that's like, insane. wow, wow. That's, that's what you think is the right thing to do. <laughs> but I can't even begin to tell you guys how many times I see stuff like that. I used to work at a gun range and that type of stuff oh, all the time. You've seen it all then. Oh, yeah. I had a lady, is gun store and gun range. One time I was behind the counter and she was bringing in a pistol. She wanted to get us to appraise it and see what we'd offer. And she pulls it out and she's waving it. like. And I'm like, ma'am, yeah. can we just put... I'm very polite at this point. Yeah. I'm like, can you set it down? She's like, it's, it's fine. It's not loaded. I'm like, ma'am, I, I don't care. And I right. grab it. It was a revolver and I, you know, popped the cylinder out and just dumped, you know, dropped around right in my hand. And I was like, oh yeah. I just looked yeah. at her and her eyes were like saucers. I was like, oh yeah. yeah, let's, let's not point these at anybody ever. I mean, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> People just get complacent or they just don't know. And, I mean, I guess some of well, it's, you don't know what you don't know, but like, good Lord. He just yeah, most do, don't do know. Yep. And that's A lot don't know. She wasn't trying to be, you know, nefarious or anything. She just assumed, I guess. She just her, didn't know. Yeah. I think her husband had died, if I remember correctly. This was 20 years ago. Right. But, or, it was just one of those things where you're just like, God, Lord, I've watched a guy shoot himself in the hand. Had a guy, I had a pistol blow up on me one time. I had a squib round, but. I mean, yeah, just all right. sorts of crazy stuff happens when you're around firearms. And that's another piece is when you're hunting with someone who's not safe and has no muzzle awareness. Like that's, I'm sure you've run into that a lot. And that can be a dicey situation in and of itself. If you guys knew how many times I've almost been shot, you'd be, you would seriously wonder why I still do this job. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I've had bullets whiz by my head so close. Like it moves the hair on my head. Oh my gosh. I could only imagine and, when you're on the, on the swamp buggy and you know, people shooting across the you know at a pig or i mean yeah. when we were there the one of the guys in jake's crew shot the i think he shot the rail you know because he wasn't looking at his height over bore with his optic right. right you you know and like yeah and if you're I've not had the buggy shot i've had the barn shot i've had my truck shot out west twice God. um yeah it's crazy here's here's one for you you guys you guys are big into bow hunting like me you'll get a kick out of this one so I take a guy boat hunting for hogs. We're spotting and stalking. First hog we get on, 25 yards. He's coming out of like some sawgrass, fixing to walk into a little clear cut. I tell the guy, draw. He draws. As soon as he walks out, the guy steps to the left, but he reveals himself too much. <clears throat> the hog sees him and blows out of there. No big deal. Normal, normal stuff on a stalk. He's still at full draw, and he's kind of looking at me like, what do I do? And I'm like, you can go ahead and let down. He aims his bow up in the air and sends it. And I'm like, holy crap. I'm like, did you mean to do that? And he was like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. All right. Like, that's, if you're just sending $25 arrows across the pasture, like – that's your money. Like, if, I'm just thinking to myself, like, if you want to, if you want to just send them like that, go for it. Like, whatever. I just thought, I thought, I thought he did it accidentally and yeah. just didn't want to say. So we get on another hog. 
same thing. He's full draw. Wind, actually, he didn't do anything wrong. Wind switches on us. Hog wind just blows out of there. He's at full draw. I don't even look at him. Just like, go ahead and let down, bud. Just like I would do to you guys or anybody. Go ahead and let down, man. Let's move on. He puts it up in the air, sends it. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, man, if you keep doing that, you're not going to have that. any arrows to hunt. And he's like, he looks at me and he is completely dead serious. He's like, you told me to let down. And I'm like, do you under, do you know what let down means? And he was like, I'm letting down and you're upset about it. I'm like, give me your bow. I put an arrow in it. I draw it. And then I let it down. He looks at me like I'm an alien. He's like, I didn't know you could do that. I'm like, how did you not know? that you could let your bow down without sending an arrow 400 yards across the pasture. And he just literally thought that is when you cocked your bow and you drew your bow, that that is the only way that you could let it down was to send it. And it's like, you're, you're special. You're, you're special. Luke would lose his freaking mind. Yeah, it'd be bad. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not cut out for that life. Yeah. And it's, and it, that's, that's not a, uh, I've had so many people that are like, Matt, you need to write a book. You should. I, I've had, a, I had a guy shoot himself. I had a guy shoot himself point blank with a 45. Ugh. Yeah. He, uh, he shot a hog with his rifle. He gut shot him. You guys know what gut shot animals do. They get all humped up. Yeah. So we find him. And he's actually standing out in a field with a bunch of high grass in it. He thinks he's hid, but on the buggy, you guys have been on it. You guys know, you can see a long way Yep. and down into that thick stuff. The guy's like, Hey, do you mind if I like finish him off with my pistol? I'm like, absolutely. No problem. It's actually a pretty common thing for guys. Yep. No problem, man. I'm like, Hey, just don't get too close. Just ease up there, put him out and let's go. So he eases up on him. He shoots and misses. The hog starts running towards him. The hog is not trying to get him. The hog's just trying to get back to the woods. So as the hog's getting closer, this guy's dumping a mag on him. He's boom, 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 boom. Right when he gets to him, the guy turns to run. And when he stretches that leg out to run, he lets one more round off and shoots himself in the top of the calf. Oh my, oh my God. The, the bullet goes all the way through his leg and is stuck under the skin on the opposite side, right above his ankle. Now he hits the ground like he was shot in the head and he's screaming and yelling. The hog got him. The hog got me. The hog got me. The hog never got within 10 feet of him. So we're all actually like all of his buddies on the buggy. We're all laughing because we don't have a clue that he shot. We just think the hog scared him and he's acting like a little girl over there screaming at the top of his lungs. So finally I'm like, I tap his buddy. I'm like, go get him and let's go. We're all, we're dying laughing. He walks over there. He's standing over him, looks down on him. He's like, dude, you shot yourself. And I'm, I'm like, what, what did you say? I jump off the buggy. I run over there. This guy is spewing blood. So I put my hand on it to stop the bleeding. It is so much pressure. It's blowing through my fingers. We put a tourniquet on it, get 911 on the horn. 
We rush him up to the highway to get him in an ambulance. The whole time he's screaming, the hog got me. And I'm like, brother, you got a bullet hole in the top of your calf. And you've, and I've got the bullet in my hand. It's just under the skin above your ankle. And he's yelling at me. I didn't shoot myself. The hog got me. And I'm like, okay, well, you're going to go to the hospital. The doctor's going to pull the bullet out of your leg and give it back to you. And, uh, yeah, so I've, I had a guy full on shoot himself point blank with a 45. <laughs> oh yeah. Just, uh, so many, so many things that I've seen and over the years is it, sometimes it shocks me. I'm like, what, what are you doing? But what's, you know, what's when you're taking 500 client? people a year, you're going to see some things. And, and with how many people we take, we don't see as much as we, could for sure but for the most part everybody man is good people everybody's pretty aware of guns and safety but you absolutely have to stay on your toes i do i watch people more than i watch for like hogs and stuff when we're riding on that buggy i'm constantly looking and what's weird is like my hearing is honed in to safety's going on and off mm -hmm. like i'll be riding i'll just hear a safety go off and i'm like i'll look around I'm like hey man throw that safety back on for me and they're like how did you know and i'm like i could hear it well how can you hear it riding on this buggy because i'm so tuned in to being basically scared of what people will do that like i'm just tuned into it and uh yeah man it you there's i've always said that I could have a full-blown, extremely successful TV show if I just had somebody ride along with me every day and absolutely film everything. It would be absolutely entertaining. Josh. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me in the slightest, though, honestly, unfortunately, but it makes me feel better. <laughs> I don't know if there's doing any all right outfitter that you could contact on the face of the earth that doesn't have stories like that. If they've done it for a minute, yep. every one of them's got stories like that. What's our next podcast, Carter? We'll start Outfitter Tales. Yeah, it's a good idea. Man, it's it's actually, it's there's some good stuff. Like when I go, when I buy a hunt and I go with another outfitter, I talk to the outfitters about that. I'm like, so tell me some of your horror stories. And some of the stuff they tell me and some of the stuff I tell them, it's like we just look at each other and shake our heads like it's amazing. It's amazing the things that people do. Well, so, I'm glad you haven't caught one of those rounds yet. <laughs> no, me too, man. There's been some close calls for sure. Like, like, you know what my buggy looks like. Yep. So I had a lady shoot a hog. The hog actually ran out in front of the buggy. She hit it. It turned and ran right down the side of the buggy and ran behind us. So I turn around and I'm glassing. I want to see where he goes so we can start tracking him. She's standing all the way up in the front of the buggy. She shoots right past my head, shooting at the hog. I'm directly in line. If I would have simply, if the hog would have went right or left and I would have simply done this to see where he was going, I would have caught one to the back of the head. She shoots and I turn around and I, the look on my face must have said it all. And she's like, Oh, was I not supposed to do that? And I'm like, What do you think? Like, 
come on. You you were within inches of blowing the top of my head off. Do oh you God. think you were supposed to do that? <laughs> do we really need to discuss it? Oh my God. That's uh I, I had an elk I had an elk guide in uh Wyoming tell me he was guiding a guy and he was sitting glassing an elk. The guy went and got behind him to get a little bit above him. It was going to make the shot. He does not, has not told this guy to shoot. He told him just to get on the elk. The guide was waiting for the guy to get, uh, you know, acquire the target so he could move. He wanted somebody to keep eyes on it. Yep. So he's watching it. His hunter's behind him, just over him. He says, okay, I've got him. And before he could move, the guy shoots. It literally blows the hat off of his head. Yeah. You know, just the just the pressure coming out of that barrel blows the hat off his head. And he turned around. I have a tendency to not be as rough on people as I should when dumb stuff happens. Um, they absolutely deserve it. Now he is, he was like, unload your weapon, get your crap packed up, your hunt's over. And we're talking like a $7,500 elk hunt. The guy's like, what do you mean my hunt's over? He was like, you just blew the hat off of my head with your rifle. You think we're going to continue to hunt? Your hunt is over. You're done. And the guy's like, well, you're going to give me my money back, right? And he's like, that's hazard pay. No. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that might have been a little extreme. And he was like, Matt, he almost killed me. And I'm like, well, there's that too, you know. You it's have to. Point. It'd be hard to go continue to hunt with that guy and have a good time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That'd be hard not to put hands on that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, good night. Yeah, that's... for sure. But, yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff happens in this life, man, with – it's uh, you absolutely have to keep eyes on people. I try to prevent most of it. I like to have a little talk with everybody before we get started, tell them what I expect. But you guys know how it is, man. When things get happening and it's fast and furious, just people's natural reaction. And I take it for granted because I do it every day. So I don't get overly excited about it because it's just another day for me. I have to also keep in mind that it might be the first time this guy's ever hunted. It might be the first time he's hunted this year. It might be his only hunting trip this year. So they're amped up beyond what I can actually even like take in. Because with doing it every day, you kind of get a little numb to it. But yeah, there's some there's some wild things that happen, man. It's uh, it gets pretty crazy. Yeah, I can imagine for sure. But. Um... If you guys are listening, pay the fuck attention and be safe always. Yeah. That's just the moral of this one. Like when you guys go out and you're, if you're hunting with guides, like be very conscious of the guides, try to be an asset to the situation and not a fucking liability. Cause it's it, just like, you're right. It's easy to get wrapped up in that moment. And when it is chaos, yeah. especially if you're chasing hogs on a buggy through the, you know, yep. through the sawgrass and, we were shooting. I mean, it sounded like World War Three, and so you could definitely see how guys would get excited if they didn't have that that much experience. But you just always have to be cognizant of what's around you. 
paying attention, you know, where's your muzzle pointed, sight over bore, all that shit. Like just understanding what the hell is going on because it can get real dangerous really quickly, clearly. That's my big thing is where's your muzzle pointed? Like that's huge, right? Because like even if there is an accident, everybody's going to come out of it okay if that muzzle pointed in the right direction. Yep. You're going to catch some shit over it and we're going to talk to you about it. But at the end of the day, that's all that's happening is a talking to versus explaining how you shot somebody or hurt somebody or shot yourself. Um, muzzle awareness and man, leave them safeties on like so many people, especially on the buggy, right? Like you guys have been there. It gets, it gets fast. And a lot of guys, they want that, they want that edge. So they go ahead and take that safety off. And it's like, that's a fraction of a second to flip that thing off, man. We don't need to have it off while we're riding. Yep. You're not, it's not going to make you successful. It's just going to make you cause an accident. So that's a, that's huge for me is muzzle awareness and safety's on. Like there's no, uh, there's no edge to having it off prior. Like it's such a quick, easy thing, but you got to definitely keep your eyes on them. That's part of the guide life. You're you're a babysitter most of the time. Well, we're excited to get back down there with you, man. Yeah, we need to get something on the books so we can make it happen. Because we get, as you can imagine, we we fill up pretty quick. And you know, you you had said something a little earlier in the podcast about uh, just you know you you always think that oh we'll get to this next month or we're getting ready to slow down. I probably said that about 50 times this summer, you know, on the, the honeydew list with the wife and just different things that I need to get done is we're going to, we're getting ready to hit our slow season. Well, slow season never showed up this year. It was just been, it's been crazy. Honestly, I think ever since COVID, we never slowed down during COVID at all. We never missed a lick. I think we were actually busier. And I think that was because a lot of people couldn't get out of the state Mm -hmm. or they couldn't get to these other countries to do hunts they wanted to do. They were kind of stuck here. So they're like, well, we've already done this and that and the other. What haven't we done? What can we go do? And I think we stayed extremely busy because of that reason. And we can hunt all year long. And then when we took that new realm of people that opens the door to because everybody has their little click of people and the circle that they roll in and so i think when that happened it opened the doors to some new some new people some new clients and um i did take on a a marketing team to do some stuff that i just don't know how to do and and then to even do the stuff that I do know how to do because I just need some of it off my plate. Yep. And um, they handle some of my social media stuff, but more of the you know the Google stuff and all the more technical things that, for one, I don't want to do them, and because I just rather be in the field. Yep. And uh, that all that all helps a bunch, but yeah, we we never saw a slow season this year and. As of right now, like January through April is already starting to get booked up, which usually doesn't happen for another month or so. But uh, it's getting to be now where everybody's jockeying for a position 
like they'll call and all that's already booked. So they know the next year they need to call sooner. And then everybody starts doing that. So now they got to even call even sooner than that. And everybody's kind of keeping score with that. So now we start booking up several months earlier than we normally would. But it's a good thing. It's a good problem to have. Oh, yeah. Oh, we'll get on that calendar real real soon then. We'll, we'll figure out our schedules and around. We got event season coming up pretty hot and heavy this year. Uh, so we'll yeah. deconflict with all that. And I think we got a couple in February, but we got some openings. So maybe we can get on the calendar for February again. Yeah, for sure, man. You Hell guys, yeah. uh, you guys traveling a lot this year. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to sign out of the army in February and then I'll be moving back to Colorado where my family's still in Colorado Springs. And then I'm going to yep. be on the road a bunch. Well, I won't be on the road. I'll be flying in, but Garrett will be on the road. Sure. Some of the other guys, and I'll be flying into some of these shows. We're going to be at some big ones. We're going to ATA and SHOT Show, uh, yep. National Wild Turkey, Great American up in Pennsylvania. Uh, then, oh, yeah. Then we've got Illinois Deer Classic, Iowa Deer Classic, and then uh, all the Mountain Archery Fest 3D shoots. And then we'll yep. be at the Western Hunt Fest shoots too. So we're we're – we did a couple last year and this year we're hitting it hard. So we'll yeah, be, our, our off season is going to be pretty full, filled, but the good thing is, is we got, you know, two week breaks here and there. We can fill up with some traveling and some hunts and a little bit of reprieve yeah, from the road. Cause I'm sure you've done those expos. They get exhausting. It's fun to meet everybody, but when you talk to 200 yeah. people a day and sitting under fluorescent lights for a week, it, it wears on you. Yeah, man, I used to, uh, I was doing the Indiana Deer and Turkey Expo for a few years, and there's about 45,000 people come through in three days. I would literally leave there on the last day with no voice. I couldn't talk. Yep. I hear and that. And it was nonstop. I'd have people 15 deep standing in line to talk to me about booking hunts and stuff. Uh, show coordinator came up to me one year, and he, I had a TV show or a TV running with uh, I had put together a kill shot clip. So I had a guy ride with me for months and he just filmed everything that we shot. So I was just taking the impact shots, bullets hitting, arrows hitting, and just doing like two or three second clips and just rolling it over. And I probably had 200 kills on this kill shot clip and just had it running all day long. And it was, it would stop traffic. Like I had other vendors coming down going, Hey man, everybody is standing in front of your booth. Can you turn that off? Because we aren't getting any business down here. And I'm like, well, brother, that ain't my problem. I'm here to generate business and that's what I'm doing. And, uh, they complained so much. The show coordinator was like, you need to take your TV down. I'm like, it ain't, it ain't happening. Like I paid my fees. I paid my dues. I'm here. Those guys got stuff running on a TV just cause it ain't as cool as mine. That ain't my problem. <laughs> and, uh, ended up stopped doing that show because I tried to rebook it the next year and they flat out told me no problem, but you can't run that clip. Wow. And I'm like, man, it generated so much business for me and so much like That's interest. ridiculous. And they were like, yeah, but you were stopping the flow of traffic. And I'm like, well, that's kind of how you get business. That's kind of the point. And that's why I'm here. And they were like, it's, you can't do it. And I'm like, well, you can give my booth to somebody else then. But I do a lot of the SCI shows. Um, I did one last year with Grand Slam Club Ovis. That was a good show. Kind of a small personal show, but everybody that walked in that door was there to buy something. 
and uh, that was a good one. But a lot of the SCI stuff, that's they've been good to me. Hell yeah. That's so, awesome. Yeah, I think we're on the wait list for SCI, so hopefully we can get in there next year. So Yeah. Yeah, I think they're trying to do a – I talked to the – so the actual – the guy that does the hunt coordination thing, mm-hmm. uh, he's hunted with me. And he was telling me they're trying to – they're trying to do something to make it a little more easy and a little more friendly for the uh, outfitters in the States to get in and not cater to the, you know, guys overseas so much and stuff. That's good. So maybe if they, maybe if they did, I've tried to get in there. I tried to get in there last year and they were like, man, this thing's been booked for, it's, it's real difficult to get into. Yeah, I think it's so, actually. Now that I think about it, I know Dallas Safari Club. That one I think is a three-year wait list. So we're gonna, and you have to donate every year. So I've got to go. Yeah, you a, have to donate every year to get to it. Yeah, and so yep. I've got to donate three years in a row. And I don't even know if it's worth it because it's not exactly our target demographic, but it's such a big show in Dallas, which is such a hub for us. But I think yeah, it'll, it'll make sense. But we'll see. I know it's a lot of. I don't know. It can't hurt, you know, it's just more exposure. And there's a lot well, of guys be, that just go walk around there, so. Yeah, and that's where I got into the stuff with that Indiana Deer and Turkey Expo. It was, man, 45,000 people. You leave there not being able to even talk. And you might book six, eight hunts to where I go to the Safari Club show. It's a one-night auction, a two-day show. I might talk to... 150 people but i book 40 hunts yeah that's way better you know and it's just uh way more personable you get to spend time and talk to people and you know they do the dinners and the banquets and it's not a run as many people through the door as we can it's just not that type of a deal but it's um it's been good to me but we've been so busy the last few years i just haven't done any shows and I honestly don't foresee needing to even do any. I did the Grand Slam Club Ovis last year because I took a guy hunting that was on the board. He didn't even tell me. He goes home and uh, signs me up, pays for my booth, pays for everything, pays for a membership, calls me up and he goes, hey, uh, you're going to Vegas in January. And I'm (laughs) like, why am I going to Vegas? He's like, because I bought you a booth at the Grand Slam Club Ovis show. And I was like, I, man, we probably needed to talk about that before you did that. <laughs> and he was like, look, I sit on their board. We need you. And you're going to do well there. I went and did it. Man, we, me and my wife went and did it. And we probably booked $50,000 in hunts in a day. Fuck yeah. That's, that's awesome. <clears throat> and it was like, that's awesome and same thing you know we were probably the cheapest hunt in the room they were doing they were auctioning sheep hunts and stuff off there for three hundred thousand dollars yeah so our thirty five hundred dollar trophy alligator hunts pennies to the other stuff yeah but we had outfitters all throughout the show coming up going like you know what are you guys doing because every time we look down here you have a crowd around your booth and we haven't sold a hunt. And I'm like, well, my hunts are 3500 bucks. Yours are 75000 <laughs> So we got a little different thing going on here. Yeah. But, yeah, we sold a bunch. It was That was a good show for us. But other than that, I've been 
I've been pretty light on the shows. We've been so busy. It doesn't, I don't know that it makes sense for us right now to do them. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it. And it's, it's a big lift. Like, yeah, it's, it's good for us right now with where we're at, but you guys, I don't, it doesn't sound like at all. You need to, you need the business. You're covered up. So it's awesome. Yeah. And if, and if anything ever comes available, like if, say, if I have a cancellation on a, on my South Dakota mule deer or whitetail or my Montana stuff or something, I can just send out a couple of emails and usually fill those spots. And I've actually never even had to do that. I already, I already know a handful of people I can call that are going to jump you on can, those spots. You can add us to that list. Yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> and that's what I, and that's what I like is like, I've got a handful of people that I know I can call. And I don't even have to worry about it. Yep. So I get to really actually, if you want to look at it, I got to, I get to hand pick and then it rolls into, okay, me and my buddies are going hunting. Yeah. That's awesome. It's not even like I'm trying to book a stranger or, Hey, I hope I can get somebody to fill this spot. I got a handful of buddies that I know that are going to take that stuff and we're going to go have a blast. Hell yeah. And that's the, that's the hunting that I love. That's when it's in the position that I'm in. That's when it's good to me is when I get to roll with a couple of guys that, you know, I got to get paid because that's what I do and it's my job. Yep. But at the end of the day, if you take the money out of it, it's like I just went hunting with some friends. And that just, it's a, it just makes hunting camp different, man. It's just so nice to be able to do something like that. That's what it's all about. Getting good guys and gals in camp and swapping stories and experiences yeah. and learning from each other and having new experiences in new places. So, you know, we're, we're stoked Absolutely. to have had, had the opportunity through Jake to meet you and go down there and hunt and have that experience. And yep. we're excited for the future. So we'll, we'll definitely be back. No, absolutely. Looking forward to having you guys. Like I say, this new ranch, we got this stuff out West. You guys will, uh, We'll definitely be looking at some different parts of the world together. And I love that, man. Like I, that's what gets me after all that I've done for so many years with the hunting business. That's what gets me pumped up. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Me Where too. do you want people to find you on uh, social media, Matt? So on social media, you know, I'm triple M outfitters, unlimited, um, Instagram and Facebook and YouTube channel. I haven't, done a lot with the youtube channel there's some there's some stuff on there um we've tried to make that a little better as of late once i hired the marketing people let them control that but triple m outfitters unlimited um my website same thing triple m outfitters unlimited.com um all my pricing and stuff is on there i will say that i don't have any of my out west stuff on there it's basically just my Osceola turkey, uh, alligator, and hogs. If anybody wants to inquire about the Out West stuff, just give me a call or shoot me an email or something. Um, I take a very limited amount of people to that. So I don't put it on the website to be widespread because I'll just get 100 inquiries and I can only take 10, 12 people. So... It's, uh, I keep that pretty, pretty low key, but, um, you know, and if guys want to get on my email list or something for cancellations or something like that, uh, emails, Matt Cates 71 at yahoo.com. 
They can email me. They can call me at 321-863-2985. And um, if you call, text. If you do call and I don't answer, I will get back to you. It's best to text me because I hunt every day. And when I'm on a hunt, just like when people come hunt with me, you know, if, if a guy comes and hunts with me, I'm not going to be on my phone. Yep. So I usually do some phone calls and stuff at night. Emails probably best because I can lay in bed at one o'clock in the morning and return emails. Um, text message. I can always sneak a text message in here and there when things get slow. But if a guy books a hunt with me, I definitely, uh, I'm definitely not the guy that's going to be sitting there on his phone all day long. I'm going to be performing and getting, getting stuff taken care of that they came to do. So. Oh yeah. Well, you guys should definitely go check out triple M. Uh, we, you know, had a blast. It's a very unique hunt especially if you're not from that area and it's a, it's a hell of experience and it's well worth the, uh, the price of admission. Like, like we talked about earlier, the it's very reasonable for what, for what you're doing. It's kind of a choose your own adventure. You can do a little bit of everything out there. So definitely uh, check it out and get involved because it's, it's, it's fun. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. Looking forward to chatting some more soon. All right, guys, you guys have a good night and uh, we'll be in touch soon. You guys hit me up. Let's get you guys on the schedule and get back down here. And uh, we got some uh, we got some hogs to get got to get their minds right. So come on, need you guys to come down and put some work in. You got it, man. We'll do it. All right, fellas, you guys have a good night. You too. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Take care.